Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to this week's show. This week I'm kind of excited. We are doing some reviews and a bit like... You sound surprised <laughs> to be excited. Uh, is that terrible? I guess I'm excited because... <laughs> Like one of my favourite podcasts is Chat 10 Looks 3 and I love that they just read books, watch shows and then tell everyone what they think about, about them. them. Yeah. And so, we, so you get to do a little bit of, yeah. of crab and sales. Yeah, I get to be. On our own. I get to yeah. pretend to be Annabelle Crab today. <laughs> and so we're going to chat. Um, Bex read a couple of books. I've watched a show and listened to a podcast all related to decluttery stuff. And um, rather than doing one episode on each of these we're just going to do a little quick snapshot into uh, each one and let you know what mm-hmm. we thought mm. I love how you say quick like it actually will be quick but we're going to you know, try and make we can it try. quick <laughs> <laughs> okay so I'm first and I have listened to the audiobook Effortless by Greg McCown now, we've had Greg on the show before. Tara talked to him about his book. Essentialism? Oh, no. What was it? Essentialism, sorry. I knew, I had it in my head earlier and then it just left. Essentialism, and so which was a great book. Both of us have read that and really enjoyed it and enjoyed the, the interview. And so when he put out Effortless, we thought we would have a go at that as well, and we both read it. Tara read and I listened to this book. So the premise of this book is about how to do what you need. Like, so essentialism was about doing like only what was really important. And then this book, Effortless, is about expanding that to, be, to doing what's really important um, in the kind of most efficient, more effortless way I guess yeah do you want to add anything to that no I would I'd completely agree with that like that's a pretty neat little synopsis it's it's hard to it's hard to wrap it up but that's what he's saying and the fact that just because things are more complex doesn't mean the results are better that sometimes when Mm. you take the path of least resistance I guess your results are still outstanding and sometimes even more so because you took the path of least resistance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And he he sort of leads leads into the book with why he wrote this book and that was because he'd already stripped away a whole lot of what wasn't important and followed his own essentialism advice and then still had these moments or this moment or this thing that happened that he found he still it wasn't enough like that stripping away what was essential wasn't enough to make life work for him he had to do that extra thing as well and that extra thing was to make everything as as easy as possible or um the like you said the path of least resistance because you know sometimes people can strip back to the essentials and still be overwhelmed and so that's what this is all about yeah and he gives examples like you know, um, just because you're working an 80-hour week doesn't mean you're more productive than someone working a 40-hour week, you know, because yeah. there comes a point where more effort doesn't yield any more results, you know, yeah. that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think, th- like, it's not necessarily a whole lot of new concepts, but it's 
presented in a nice, clear and digestible way. And there are some, it's inspiring more than you, I think, is probably uh-huh. the way I saw it. And just just one little thing, you know, I, I made a, a change and just like I did with essentialism when I made a change after the first chapter, I it, it, right at the beginning of this book as well, I was like, oh, I, I know how I can apply this to my life. And, you know, as someone with ADHD, my brain needs novelty in order to engage it needs something new um, or something interesting to actually engage and fire off those neurons and so when he he talks in a chapter about making things fun you know how can how can this be more fun and straight away I found ways to make the things that I was putting off due to executive dysfunction overwhelm um, more palatable and easier by making them fun, so straight away I, I found you know something to to use. So I sort of found from a practical level it was really really helpful for me. Um, and I don't I don't think any of the points were irrelevant or unimportant or anything in there. I think there'll be something that people will be able to pull out um, at least something that they can use in their life um, to to make things a little bit bit more easy. Um, he uses lots of metaphors and analogies and stories to illustrate the points and and I'm going to get to this in a minute but they're a bit long but they are good and they actually do clarify a lot of the points. So I quite liked the way that he used stories and the stories are, some of them are fables and some of them are clients he had and some of them are stories that other people have written in their books or whatever. Um, and so a lot of those stories and, and analogies are, are quite helpful to, to look at those points from, to be able to relate to those points quite well. So was there anything that you didn't like about the book? Or well, the probably mainly the, a bit of it's just a bit too long-winded. So there's a way too much setup for each of his points he wants to make. He has a number of long-winded stories, which I just said that they were useful. So I know that I'm sounding like I'm contradicting myself here. And so the sometimes the stories, the stories do help clarify the points. However, they're not an efficient way of making the points. So I think it's a little ironic when he's talking about doing things more efficiently <laughs> yeah. and he's actually making our lives as listeners less efficient <laughs> as he does so. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the main thing. So it just those stories sometimes just go on for too long and uh, I think that the book, it could have been shorter. I reckon therefore... he could have chopped it in half. <laughs> yeah, I think it could have been shorter. But uh, at the same time, I I did think there was some value in those stories, but maybe it, it could have been a little bit more ruthlessly edited, perhaps. Um, I guess that's that's it. So it's not necessarily a criticism as such, and other people might like that, and they might not know not get bored with the stories like I did. But um, that was one of the things that probably bothered me, um, and that was probably the only thing that bothered me really. I didn't find, you know, it's like slightly you know repetitious as far as his other book and other people's books but I still found it inspiring so I think that kind of balanced it out and it's not a long listen or a read even with those stories it's like six hour listen I think it was so it wasn't anything that was really too long um and I think that it's worth going through those bits that are a little bit boring um just to get those little gems of inspiration and it's it's going to be a book that I'm going to go back to and listen to 
section at a time every now and then if I feel like I need it. It's going to be one of those ones that's more for me a motivator um, or it's going to be something that I'll use like if I want to make a change. So let's say I, like, for example, making things, making my tasks that shut me down normally, um, making them fun so they don't shut me down. You know, if that's something that I want to work on, I'll listen to that chapter while I'm working on that. And then if I decide to work on another area, then I might listen to that chapter. So it's something that I'm going to probably dip in and out of um, if I want to listen to or focus on one point of change that I can make um, at a time. I um, follow him on Instagram and he puts some good snippets on there about like examples of things that are effortless and some of them are quite hilarious, actually quite funny. Um, but, yeah, I I didn't finish it. I read about half, but I was reading it when I hopped into bed and it's, it's too dry, <laughs> it's too boring for like mm. I would just – I need to read it when I'm not sleepy, I guess, because um, I'd find myself like going, what? Well, hang on, what's the point he's making here? So um, yeah. I think I will go back to it as well. But it's not – essentialism for me was like, wow, loved that and felt like it was all new. And like you said, this does feel a little bit regurgitated and a little bit long-winded, like he's trying to mm. pad out those key steps or key um, the key path to making things mm. effortless. But it wasn't bad. I wouldn't say it was bad. No, I would still say, you know, if you've got the time um, and the inclination, give it a shot. Yeah. Okay, so moving on, I watched on Netflix Get Organised Season 2. So if you remember oof, a way back, gosh, mm. might have even been while I was living in Australia, so that would be at least 18 months ago, um, we talked about Get Organised, the first season, which is Joanna and Clea from the Home Edit. And um, they went around and styled people's houses and did their rainbow method. So they've got their second season out. And if you liked the first season, you will love the second season. They... Which is why I haven't watched the second season. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember saying... Um, to you that I really wanted to dislike it, but I couldn't help but still enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel the same. I really wanted to be able to tear this down and go, no, I've come to <laughs> my senses and it's rubbish, but I still liked it. Um, they've got the same formula as last time, as you'd expect. So four main steps, edit, categorise, contain and maintain. And what they do, um, they, the two girls, Joanna and Clea, and then a tribe of other people, um, go into different people's spaces, some celebrities, some not, and they might reorganise a pantry or a kitchen or a playroom or a baby's nursery or whatever it is. Um, so like the first season, the show focuses mainly on the process of categorising and containing. They barely discuss maintenance at all, which I find kind of frustrating. Mm. It's, it's a very, very easy watch. Unless you're Beck, who can't stand it. <laughs> and, and then it's torture. But yeah. the, the thing that I liked this one, this time around, was it had these little mini cl cliffhangers at the end of each episode. So last time I think oh. it was a bit more, they came into a space, they did the whole thing, 
and then they finished it and that was the end of the show. This time they might have three or four projects going on at once. So they show you a bit of this one and a bit of this one and a bit of this one and they chop between and it's usually chopped between a celebrity and a non-celebrity or whatever. But then at the end of the episode, someone might drop a box full of vases or something and they smash everywhere. And it's like, dun, 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 and then that's the end of the show. Like, will the owner be angry or upset that they've just broken all this stuff? Or one of them, um, I think Joanna (laughs) tripped over something and everyone was like, (gasps) yeah, I could. If I could just show you Beck's face, she's just like cringing so hard she's going to tear a muscle in her face. <laughs> um, so that that was totally cheesy, but I did get hooked. I'd be like, oh, my God, did she hurt herself? I've got to just watch the next five minutes of the next episode. Ah. Um, then there was the whole, oh, my gosh, we don't have enough time. Are we going to get it done? No, it's always those. Um, so that was kind of new is the big cliffhangers. What I did like, if you couldn't tell, I didn't mind it. Um, what I did like was there was more behind the scenes this time. And so it showed them hanging out with their families. It showed some of their work meetings, photo shoots they were doing, chatting with magazine publishers and in social settings. So it felt a little bit more relaxed and less contrived than the first one. I note how you say little bit more and less contrived instead of not contrived. <laughs> less contrived. Um, and it feels like you get to know them a little bit better, Joanna and Clea, as normal people, not as just these uh, styling superstars. Um, so I liked that. It also had some better visibility of the process. So this time, I think it showed more of the mess that they were making during the sorting and the categorizing phases, which is quite That's realistic. You know, you know, we mm. often talk about how, you know, you make a mess to sort a mess, um, and it shows them feeling overwhelmed by the projects as well, which I thought was good because last time it was all very, this is so great, this is so easy, we're professionals, look how we put everything in rainbows in it. And then I think if you go and try and do that in your own space and you pull everything out and start categorising and you think, okay, I feel sick, I'm overwhelmed, I'm never going to finish this, you compare yourself to them. Um, Season Mm. one, you would have been like, well, they don't have this problem. Now it shows that they do have the same problem and are like, we can't deal with this right now. We're going home. (laughs) We'll come back to it tomorrow. (laughs) Um, It shows a bit more of the team as well. So quite often it'll be like, okay, we've got this big job and we've got six hours and how are we going to get it all done? And then like 15 people come in and Mm. you have like six people in a closet making it perfectly neat and tidy, Um, which again is more realistic. So you're not thinking you could achieve that in the same time frame on your own. Yeah, Um, that's an issue I have with lots of these things is how they make it look like it can be done in a short period of time. Yeah, Um, It has a few handy tips on storage options and advice for people in the process of decluttering scattered throughout but those tips you kind of have to search for they're not (laughs) they're not obvious all the time uh i did like that it's got a few celebs in there it's drew barrymore they're sorting out um part of her backstage where they keep um all her she has a show over here um and they must have oh, yeah, like talk show. a cooking mm. or kitchen kind of segment. And so it showed all the props that she has for that. 
um, and that's what they were sorting out. I had Chris Pratt, uh, Kevin Hart made a Ooh, quick I little like Chris Pratt. appearance. Yeah, Maybe so I'll just watch it just to watch Chris Pratt. <laughs> yeah, so it was like his garage. So again, me being sticky beak was like, oh, what does Chris Pratt keep in his garage? You know, <laughs> uh, bow and as arrow. As someone who has, as someone who has worked with celebrities on decluttering their spaces. It's probably not even his garage. <laughs> no, I, I shouldn't be too cynical. But, you know, so much of it's made up. But anyway, I just want to look at Chris Pratt in a creepy old lady way. But anyway. Yeah, I, I'm more interested in what he keeps in his garage. And you're like, <laughs> something for everyone in their back. See, now you've got to watch it. Uh, and there was, there was a splash of real people in there too. Um, they did a variety of spaces. So there were pantries, kids' bedrooms, playrooms, garages, like I said, home offices and they did an RV this time as well which I thought was kind of cool Uh, yeah that's more interesting what I didn't like oh the word product (laughs) and how much the word product Uh, is used do you remember that from last time uh, and like blatant advertising for the container store like they'd open up they'd be like all right we need some product and then they go and open up the back of a truck and it's just like stacked to the top with buckets and bins and container store merch everywhere they use an absolutely obscene amount of containers and bins and don't give you Mm. any indication of what it might cost for them or what annoys me is there's no alternatives for things you could use at home that you already have it's like Mm. they're so focused on making it look pleasing which i know is the premise of the show and whatever but I don't know. It's so hard to then think, I could do that in my space because Mm. unless you have $10,000 to spend on clear storage containers. And also unless if you're environmentally conscious and you don't want to throw everything out just to get a whole bunch of new matching things, then it's not realistic for you either. Um, I found that they were too. This another thing that kind of annoyed me. They're really soft on the editing phase. Like they talk up editing yeah, step one, you've got to edit. And then it's like, they're not editing. And then they jump over it. Yeah. This, there was a supermodel um, with hundreds of gifted makeup items, like huge amounts. And given they say something about, like there's a little tip, pro tip in the corner that says something about check uh, best before dates or use by dates mascara or, you know, um, makeup items can go out of date and cause skin issues or something like that. But they don't talk about letting them go. So this this supermodel is just like I need to be able to contain all of this. And instead of them saying, well, what what's your mm. favourite? How about you donate all the yeah. things that you know you won't use? By the, like you're not going to use 55 brown lip pencils before they all before go gross. All Why don't you mm. give some away? Like they don't – they just figure out a way to contain it all. Then they do this mm. little girl's room and she has so much stuff and they – have a joke about editing with her and she doesn't want to get rid of anything. So basically they just end up adding a ton more storage instead of having the hard chat about forcing her to let go. And I know it's not their kid and that doesn't make good TV having a kid crying in the corner because (laughs) Joanna and Clea forced her to get rid of her Barbie dolls. But it's just like she wasn't willing to budge. The conversation wasn't even had. Yeah. Yeah. Or the conversation with her parents weren't had about, all right, now in order to prevent this from getting out of control again, here are some boundaries that can be put in place. So... Um, and then there was a couple with the kid that had so much stuff in a room. And again, instead of having the tough dis- discussion about editing, they just added a storage shed outside. <laughs> I'm mm. like, 
okay, missed opportunity there. Um, yeah. The other thing I found as well, and this is probably being a little bit cynical, but things were going missing from rooms. Like at one point they do Winnie Harlow, who's from Orange is the New Black. They did her junk room slash makeup room slash chill out space. Um, and at the start when she was showing them around, it had all these suitcases stacked up against a wall. And then in the final reveal, the room looks absolutely beautiful, but there's no suitcases anywhere. So it's like, hmm. okay, did they just go get put in the lounge room for this the filming of the the room, or did they? Yeah. Or like maybe they put them in a closet somewhere, or they got put in another room, but they just don't address it. So it's like suitcases is that kind of thing that we can all relate to. Like they're big, they're bulky, they're annoying. Mm. Where the hell did we put them? And it's just like in this scenario, they just went missing. So that yeah. kind of annoys me. Um, Another missed opportunity to to discuss. Yeah, something and that like that's, everyone can relate. That's to. the stuff we need help with. That's where I mm. want the advice. You know, not yeah, um, yeah, like what fifteen sizes of clear bins. Not are to do with all the yeah, not what to do with all of your um your logies dresses. <laughs> yeah, because you know we all relate to that so well. Um, the screaming and the squealing on the reveals <laughs> does get a little bit too much. It's very over the yeah, top. Yeah, I didn't like that in the and first one. And it's like, one. oh, my God, ah, eesh, hugs, kisses. Oh, my God. It's like, it's a pantry. I get that it looks neat, <laughs> but it's just food in a different setup. Like, Did they also do the fangirling squealing? Like a little bit with Drew and... was a bit. And that's right at the start, I think, of the first episode. So you kind of got to breathe through that bit. Um <laughs> There is not as not as hardcore as they were with Reese, but um, yes. Mm. So overall, you know, because I could talk about that all day. It, I think it's okay to watch, and I think it still gives you the inspiration to get organised to tidy up if you want to. Um, if you need a bit more of a boost or want to be re-energised to get back in there and keep sorting, I think it kind of gives you that. Um, encourages you to make your spaces beautiful and if you're lucky you might get a few suggestions on some novel ways to store things um, you just won't get all the tools to do it successfully and maintain it so you got to bear that in mind but mm. I would still watch it I'll probably watch season yeah. three if it comes out I might watch the Chris Pratt <laughs> okay fair enough all right I'm you read another book too Drew Barrymore's you? pretend kitchen oh sorry I said I'm not interested in Drew Barrymore's pretend kitchen no. um, and I'm not interested in garages either, but, you know, maybe I might just watch that one episode. <laughs> um, yes, book, me, I'm next. So I did read another book. This one I actually read physically and this one is, it's called The Art of Discarding by Nagisa Tatsumi um, and apologies if I pronounced your name wrong. And it's it's touted as the book that inspired Marie Kondo's life-changing magic of tidying up. Oh, right. So it's kind of like a precursor there. Uh, and I also, another thing I did as well is I've got this magazine that a client gave to Mick once and I've kept it and it's in Japanese and I don't speak Japanese or read Japanese. So I have to use like the Google Translate thing with my camera on my phone to read it. And so I did also do a little tried to do a little review of that and then realised that they didn't have – she doesn't have any books available in English. And so I'm not going to do a full review of that because no one can actually then access it. So – well, not no one, but 80% of our listeners. Um, but we'll, I will talk a little bit about that magazine in a minute as well. 
And she actually was touted as, a, again, sort of a pre-Marie Kondo um, expert in organisation in Japan. So these are all like my, my Marie Kondo precursor mm. kind of review. So The Art of Discarding is it's a small book. It's quite basic in its approach um, and I think that is part of its appeal but at the same time it could be more simplistic for people with complex issues or complex needs. Um, but there's just a couple of little – it's one of those books where I, I'm reading it as an, as an organiser who kind of knows most of this stuff already. I read a lot of these with like, yeah, 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 you know, I know this sort of thing. And in order to make me go, huh – it has to be presented in a slightly different way or it has to sort of catch my eye. And there's quite a lot of that in this, quite a lot of little things that I went, huh, I like the way they put that. Um, and it just, it's, a, it's just a, a little sort of easily digestible punchy, they're punchy, punchy little lines, um, which I thought were really cool. So one of the things that I liked um, in this was it's kind of broken down into into sections um, and there is one section which is all about different mindsets to change um, which you know we always talk about mindset being uh, the basis of decluttering um, or the basis of being decluttered and in this there is actually like a chapter and it's like a few different things that we think that we could possibly change and and one of them was that I quite liked that I, I don't see all the time presented this way was the I'll just leave it here for now and when I first read that, I thought they meant I'm keeping it for now, as in I'm keeping it to use now. But it's what they mean is I'm leaving it for now. So I'm not going to address it right this second. And again, we see this presented in the whole deferring decisions. But it's not quite like that. It's more like making an excuse and mm-hmm. and it's, 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 it's confronting us on that excuse. It's like, you know... Um, you you can't decide what the reality is. You can't actually decide what you want to do with it, um, or you've got a, another decision you need to make in order to make that decision, and therefore um, you're just ignoring the the reality of the situation. So it's quite good in that it says you um, not to do that. Don't get sucked into um, thinking about something later um, and thinking about how it affects your life right now um, is is really important. Um, Another one we talk about boundaries all the time, and and they talk about it in a in a really cool way as well. In in that to discard when you reach the amount you can use in inverted commas or the necessary number. So it's like how we talk about boundaries, but they actually go through examples of different areas of you know quite clearly. So for people who like things spelled out for them, and I get people asking me sometimes, how many pairs of shoes should I have? How many pairs of scissors should I have? It's sort of answers that question in a more specific way which I quite liked because there are people that that really appeals to Mm -hmm. Um, so that's really quite helpful another thing I love is the what they call discarding criteria and that's a much more gentler way of what I usually call rules so when I say when I talk to clients about getting rid of things and uh, making it easier by coming up with predetermined rules of when something should go. So, for example, a predetermined rule in you know your mind might be that when something is out of date food-wise or makeup-wise, it can go. Or you might have the rule of when it's less than 
well, if it's more than two weeks out of date, it can go because that's like a pre-establishment of when to discard something. Um, you know, do you discard something when it's damaged or do you discard something when it's damaged, been repaired and then damaged again? What is that that criteria? And so they go through this discarding criteria and they give um, some examples of that as well, which is um, quite quite useful. And c- criteria, discarding criteria is a little bit gentler um, and less confronting than the rules word that I use a lot. Um, so I quite like that. Mm. And one thing I related to was one story I highlighted was the leftovers. Um, so they talk about keeping leftovers and I used to keep leftovers no matter what. Um, and I've pretty much done what they've said now, which is like actually working on how to prevent leftovers in the first place. So it's sort of like streamlining in that preventative way, um, which is quite a good approach. So they talk about it and leftovers is just one example of how they, they talk about that. So so I quite like those um, little particular examples of points that they talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this one really punchy line, which again, I say this, but I do not say it in nearly this succinct way. So I just immediately looked at that and went, oh, that's the best way to say this. And this line was, are you living a really inconvenient life surrounded by really convenient things? Ooh. Isn't it punchy? That's good. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and it's sort of, and I've, again, I've kind of said, you know, are you inconveniencing yourself by having all these convenient things? But the way they said it was just so much better. So, you know, what's the word? I was going to, kudos to the translator there. Um, they've made it, you know, really punchy. Mm. So that I reckon this book is, it's a light read. It's, there's probably nothing uh, life-changing in it and it is quite similar to, it's not similar to Marie Kondo in, in the whole spirituality thing. So if you have read Marie Kondo and you're, you don't, you're not really into the Shinto side of things, um, which is the, the 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 idea that that our um, our, our objects have um, embody a spirit. If you're not into that side of things, and it kind of puts you off in some way, or it doesn't sort of just you know make sense to you in your brain, this doesn't have that in there. So it's kind of like Marie Kondo without the woo woo. And I don't like calling Shintoism woo-woo, sorry. I don't want to dismiss it as a valid religion and valid beliefs, but it could be seen as, and I've had seen, I've seen criticisms of people saying, you know, oh, she taps her books to wake them up. That's too out there. And so if you believe that's too out there for you, then this book is a, um, a really good one because it kind of doesn't go into that. Um, but it still talks about the same principles with, with regards to managing um, your stuff and, and discarding things. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, it is a really good one. And then now. So is the magazine by the same person? Is that what you were saying? No, no. The magazine's by um, Hideko Yamashita. And. When when this lady gave Mick this magazine, he, she said, give this to Rebecca. Um, this lady's the queen of organising. Forget Marie Kondo. This is the woman. She's it. And she wrote a book called Dan Shari. Um, so it's Dan and Shah and Re. And the meaning of Dan is decline. So 
for example, presence, like declining presence and, you know, not having things. This is the explanation this lady has given and the notes she's written in post-its on the front of my magazine. So, you know, if I'm wrong, any Japanese listeners, I'm sorry if I'm getting this translation wrong, I'm basing it on what she said. Um, sha, which is discarding, um, and then re, which is avoiding, staying away, not buying, not engaging um, in accumulation and stuff like that. So that's kind of the the book that she wrote and then this is a magazine based on that book with all these, like a normal magazine with practical bits and pieces in it and it's Japanese so it's got really lovely graphics and lovely layout and it's quite beautiful. And even though I can't read a word of it, uh, I do just love looking at it. There's cartoons and stuff in it as well so. It's pretty cool. But um, I do translate some sections of this book and it's tedious to translate the whole thing. And because Dan Shari is not, as far as I can find, available in English, it's available in German and I've seen German, Chinese, um, what else did I see? A Spanish, I think, or Portuguese. Um, so there are some, it is available in some other languages. So for those people, um, have a look and see. Um, if you want to read Hideko Yamashita's books, I would recommend it just based on the Google Translate version of the magazine I have. I would recommend it um, because I really like the approach. And one of the things that I sort of out of my little Google translating of the different sections of the magazine, I decided to choose a favorite quote for you. And one of them, my favorite one was, consider whether the relationship between yourselves and the thing is alive. Ooh. And cont- yeah, and so what the context that that she was talking about in this was in, you know, it, again, a little bit similar to to Marie Kondo in that that whole um, sparking joy thing is does this item are you connected to this item in a living active way? And I think that's a good question to ask as well is, you know, is this, is this relationship between this me and this thing, is it, is it alive? And by alive, is it active and is it, you know, almost living and breathing this, or is it a dead relationship? Is, is there sort of nothing happening in there? Um, and and that, would, that would be something that I think you could almost use as a discarding question. You know, do I, is the, is do you know what I mean, Tara? I'm yeah. hoping that people understand yeah. what I mean by this. But, yeah, is it an active, alive relationship between myself and this thing or or is it sort of not? And I love – so I really loved that. Yeah. I, to just – I think I think people need to find the, the word or the questions that speak to them and for some people that will really mm. resonate and it might yeah. kind of cut through some of the other, you know, questions that we suggest and stuff. It might just be a yeah. different – different way of looking at things because we all we all do think differently and for some people just the idea and f- so for me it really sparked something and so I thought maybe did it, it spark, spark joy others as well <laughs> no <laughs> not quite um it, it but it did yeah it did that thing of like it jolted me a little bit of like oh you know I have a different awareness now or I have a, a different way to think of something and and I can feel myself thinking that way about my things mm. you know whether or not I have a living connection with that thing um, or, or I don't. And I, I can see myself thinking that way. So maybe others can too. Very good. Okay, cool. Well, um, the last thing we're going to chat about is another podcast, um, one that I listened to. I haven't listened to all of it, but I've listened to probably three quarters of the episodes that are out there. It's called An Organised Afterlife. 
and it's by a lady called Jen Gumbel. She's um, an estate planning and probate attorney in Minnesota. And she has a business in estate planning, but started the podcast to change how people think about estate planning and legacy. And her aim is to help you get organized so that it reduces the to-do list for the people you leave behind. So it's not really about you. It's about your legacy and your family or your friends or whoever you are leaving behind. And so she shares a whole stack of tools and information um, that people working in probate law or she calls it death law, which I really like because I didn't even really know what probate meant. Um, So when she says I work in death law, I was like, okay, yeah, I get that. Um, So she talks about the tools that all the people that work in death law wish people knew when they came in to see them. So um, a whole kind of lot of background and um, definitions and stuff like that. So the show doesn't really negate the need for a lawyer. It more just gives background information on what the terms mean, why certain pieces of documentation are important, how assets move or don't move after people die, um, and what you need to include in your plans and, and why that's important. So... Um, it was something I've never listened to anything like that before, but I thought mm. um, it's it's something we haven't talked it had about the word on the show. Organized in it, yeah, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. it's a it's another. I mean, we've talked about that Swedish death cleaning, like the very practical mm. aspect of sorting your stuff before you go. But I don't think people maybe think the same about. Um, you know, especially, you know, in your younger years, don't necessarily think about estate planning in terms of documentation and, and what's going to happen to your things when you're gone, not just your uh, knickknacks, but um, properties and, fi- you know, financial accounts and stuff like that. So what I really liked about the show, it's, well, it's different. It's different than the other decluttering podcasts out there because it's all about um, your legacy. Um, and she has a very unique approach you know, um, the concept. I just, yeah, I like the concept. So she talks in really easy to understand language and doesn't assume your knowledge of anything, which is very important for me because mm, I really didn't know yeah. anything. <laughs> I'd be the same. I started listening and I was like, oh, am I going to be over my head? Like, does she, is, you know, is she going to assume I know anything? But she doesn't, which mm. is great. And she comes across as really non-judgy, which is lovely because I thought, oh, here we go. Some brainiac's going to try and talk to me about probate law and I don't even know what probate means. And, you know, (laughs) but she talks as if it's she's enjoying it and it's a pleasure to educate you rather than Mm. that she's a lecturer standing at the front of a theatre, you know, telling you what's what. Um, so it's it's enjoyable to listen to. The other thing that's really good is the episodes are bite-sized. So between about 10 and 12 minutes, there's a few that are even shorter than that. Um, but that's for me, is the right amount of time to concentrate on that kind of topic. I couldn't listen to, um, you know, it's pretty dry, some of it. Mm. I couldn't listen to that for half an hour or an hour, but little bite-sized episodes are perfect. Um there wasn't a lot that I didn't like about it. So, like I said, the topics can be dry, but that's why it's good that it's short. Um, I definitely couldn't binge it, and I don't think I would listen to it on a long drive at night because <laughs> I might fall asleep. Um, but it does deliver a really good amount of information. The only thing I was a bit worried about is how 
state slash country specific it might be. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask you. Yeah, Yeah, so a lot of the um, episodes have great general information like this is how a trust works and this is what probate means and this is what a will does and that's what happens if I don't have a will. Um, But in Australia, they use the term estate administration rather than probate and the way that legacy situations and estate planning plays out can be quite different based on states or countries. So it's definitely not a one-stop shop for estate planning advice, but it's a really good podcast to start thinking about it um, and give you some of the, I think for me, it's like gave me enough of an understanding that I feel like I could go in and have a conversation and say, okay, I know that these things exist. What should I do next? You know, like what's my next step to try and get my legacy in order and not have to sit there and have them explain to me what a trust does and you know, what the exceptions to my will are and all that kind of thing. So, um, Okay. So it kind of gives you the grounding that you can then get more specific information on if you want um, or have more specific conversations if you want without feeling out of depth. Yeah, and then I think there's the episodes I haven't got to um, towards the end. I think then she talks about some famous people's and their – their estates you know like Michael Jackson's estate and stuff like that um so I haven't listened to those episodes about Pete I think you know they're specific and what um what they had where it went what was argued about you know what was missing and so what was up for um contest I guess so yeah I don't know I haven't listened to those episodes but the general information ones all seemed quite good so yeah I'd recommend that just if you're after something different or if you're at that point of your life where you feel like you need a bit more information on that. It's a good one. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So that wraps up this episode where we've um, talked about a few things that we've been consuming of late. And if you've got any comments to make about any of the things that we chatted about, you can do so with us in our Facebook community group. And we will see you here again next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at rebeccamazino.com.au and basklifecoaching.com.